Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Freeman Means Business Peer Podcast. This is a segment where twice monthly, maybe more often, sometimes if I feel like it, we'll host brilliant and talented colleagues in professional services industries to share how they can help you, the listeners, grow and protect your practice, firm, or company. Today's guest is Roy Sexton. I'm so delighted to have Roy because not only is he a phenomenal creative ideas person, he also implements with passion. Uh, he's a personal friend and I've been very thrilled to have him on this podcast today. Welcome, Roy. Well, thanks for having me. I don't know that I can live up to that introduction, but I'll try. <laughs> you have, you have. Ooh. I know you have a lot of fans out there, but um, there's some questions we all have. You've had quite an interesting career path. Tell us more about your business background and, and the career that you've, you've been on, the career path you've been on. Sure. I, uh, lately, I've taken to describing myself as a mile wide and an inch deep. Um, I think that's probably fair to say. <laughs> I have um, done a lot of strange and interesting things in my life. I never really had a path or a plan, and serendipity sort of guided me along. And for the most part, um, it's served me well. I have lovely parents and I'm an only child and those lovely parents have always said do whatever makes you happy and I have a husband that is similarly inclined although I think occasionally he would like me to have maybe a, a better plan for myself but <laughs> I uh I you know I went to a small liberal arts college uh I won't give my whole history by the way I don't want to bore the listeners but I went to a small liberal arts college in Indiana at all Hill College Wabash College and it was an English and theater major and I didn't really I didn't think about anything I didn't know I needed a job uh, and when college ended, I loved college. I, I continued, I hit the snooze button, and then I got a master's in theater at Ohio State. And then after I had that master's in theater, it really hit me. Oh, oh heavens, I have to pay bills. What am I going to do? <laughs> so I, I've talked my way into jobs using my theater degree that I'm supremely unqualified to have. I was at uh, Deloitte Consulting for a while. I was in their healthcare practice. I liked the work because it was, it, it was mission-driven. This was in the late 90s. They moved me up here to Detroit which is how I ended up here from Indiana. And uh, I was in healthcare for 11 years. I ended up with a client of Deloitte's. I started in strategic planning as a business analyst, uh, led strategic planning over a period of five or six years. Uh, my husband said, why don't you get your MBA? Because if you ever want another job, no one's gonna understand at all how you got where you got. So I, I got my MBA from U of M. And uh, when Very I finished good. that, when I finished, yeah, I, have, I have an Ohio State degree and a U of M degree, so I'm, I'm quite <laughs> conflicted. But um, when I uh, finished that degree, uh, a wonderful woman, Mary Satina, who was working for Governor Jennifer Granholm and came over to the health system I was working at the time, she became my new boss, and she liked what I was doing in strategic planning. I've always thought having a service orientation, providing analysis that people can actually use, um, trying to, you know, the consulting work I did at Deloitte taught me that being able to understand and intuit the needs and pain points for the people you're supporting can make you invaluable. And I think she saw that in our strategic planning team. And most healthcare systems, as an aside, that strategic planning group, there are people who hide in the corner and, and generate spreadsheets. And I, for me, it was a, probably the happiest work time of my life. There were four of us. We had a lovely time. We'd do crossword puzzles at lunch. We'd solve <laughs> problems for the, for the, for the system. It was a, 10,000 employee health system, five hospitals, and it was, it was fun work. Anyway, she came on board and said, I want you to take over marketing as well. Marketing at that time in that health system was 
not service friendly, um, had frustrated the physicians to a great degree, didn't listen, uh, used data as a weapon as opposed to a, a tool and a resource to help people understand how to succeed. And she wanted me to bring to the marketing group what I had done in strategic planning. That's how wow. I got into Wow, that's a huge vote of confidence. And I it know was, that, yeah, that day was, and age, marketing was different than it is now. It was just becoming, you know, yeah. how can we use data to turn it into a story? So that's really- Exactly cool. right. And we were, you know, at that time, we didn't even have data. We had a lot of our own, um, you know, business data in-house, but we didn't necessarily have customer data. So we would go to Thomson Reuters and they would send us files that we would go through and use for- mail lists and things it was it was um you know the cloud don't even the, the cloud literally was a cloud that rain came out of back then so the <laughs> idea that data could exist somewhere and we could access it was quite foreign anyway i, I won't bore you more than that I, I but after that. after really? after about no and after about 11 years in healthcare i just i kind of had a belly full of it and i wanted to see if i could take what I had learned in strategic planning and marketing and working in, you know, with difficult people. Physicians are a challenging breed. Like lawyers, they go to school. I was to about to say, not unlike lawyers, right? Yeah. And they go to school to learn a craft and not to run a business, but they're also trained to, to be God. You know, that you want your doctor to walk in and have supreme confidence because if they're doing open heart surgery. I don't want them to be nervous or insecure, right. but they tend to apply that same personality to everything, especially things they don't understand. And I know that will probably sound a little familiar to those who support attorneys. I don't, I don't blame attorneys and physicians for, for feeling that way. They're trained to do something. They went to schools for something they had passion about. And then we turn them loose in the world and say, now run a business. Um, right. but I, you Roy, know. May I say that just like in healthcare, uh, the trends have been more patient-centered over the last oh, yeah. few years. So we need to help these attorneys transition to a more client-centered approach. You got it. You nailed it. And so I, I, I cast the net pretty wide. This was in 2011. And um, there was a, a law firm, a gentleman, Dave Trott, who was running for, about to run for Congress. Um, he is a Republican. I am, as people know me, I am very much not. I know we shouldn't talk about politics, but you know. <laughs> you're okay with me. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, I, and he hired me because he liked what he saw in me and he, and it was a mortgage foreclosure law firm. It didn't occur to me that people might not like us very much. <laughs> I just thought, well, this will be fun. Yeah. Um, you know, no. so, yeah. so I've worked in healthcare and mortgage foreclosure. Maybe I could go to the, the casket for punishment. Next. Yeah. Um, and I did that for six years and I, I loved it. I loved it. I got involved in the legal marketing association at that time because I knew there was, there were differences in professional services marketing, uh, obviously from consumer centric healthcare marketing. Um, but right. I was able to apply some of the things I had learned, like you said, patient centered care, uh, client centered service, doing client surveys, things of that nature that were foreign to that firm. Now the, the interesting thing was I always felt like I wasn't working for a firm like anyone else's firm, right? I mean, it was a very niche form of law, very process form of law, but it was a great transition point because the process elements of mortgage foreclosure, I could kind of relate to because of the process nature of healthcare, but it gave me a nice place to learn the lawyer personality and understand. Like a soft the, landing, so to yeah. speak. Yeah. So really quickly, I think we yeah. should both give a plug to LMA because um, I've been a fan and involved and a member for a thousand years and they have a huge um, 
body of knowledge, as they call it, but also the people there, really resourceful. And, and that helps to create a soft landing for anyone thinking of getting into legal marketing. Um, so just a little plug there for those folks who work so hard. They were, they were invaluable to that transition. And I, you know, and not only the knowledge that I picked up that, that is provided through, through LMA officially, but also the, the connections and the people People like you, um, you know, we've been in each other's lives now, maybe the better part of a year, but, oh, um, <laughs> but you know, I, I've, people I've known now nearly seven or eight years, like Gina Rubel, although, you know, it's funny, I always pronounced your name incorrectly until about six months ago, and I was like, oh, it's not Rubel? <laughs> no, okay. Isn't uh, that the age we live in where we I write know. everything, Nancy, texting, emailing, yes. Yeah, Nancy Merland, uh, Gail LaMarche, uh, Laura Toledo, Lindsay Griffith, Caesar. Heather Morse, I can't forget Heather, people who adopted Jonathan Fitzgerald, people who adopted me early on and, and saw something in me and have guided me and given me really good advice about what to do next. So I ended up at a, a corporate law firm, Kerr Russell, uh, after a little stutter stop with another healthcare system. And um, I've loved this firm very much. It's a, it, is a, it is a more typical white shoe law firm. It's been in Detroit since 1874. The sweetest kindest people, which I know maybe you don't always necessarily describe attorneys in that way, but so accomplished, so exceptional. Um, but they'd never had a marketing person before. And I will wow. be honest with you. That must be I, tough. It, yeah, I underestimated. Part of my personality is I don't put up boundaries very well, as you you have probably observed. I um, suffer the same, my friend. Yeah. And I, if I like you, I will pour all kinds of energy and heart into it. Um, and I would say that the critical error I made here wasn't theirs, it was mine in not probably putting up more boundaries and saying earlier on, I could use some help. I, I think for a law firm that's never had a marketing person, the expense seems daunting. I always say any dollar I spend comes out of their pocket at the end of the year. It, it's not like corporate healthcare where I'm overhead, but I'm buried in a cost center and you know it's easy you still want to show the return on investment, but it's so, people don't feel it as acutely as a law firm. So here, anything I spent was coming out of their pocket. And I wish I had earlier on said, this is a huge job. I can't do it by myself. Um, but, you know, you live and learn. May I, may I, I add, ask you a question there? Um, I, I want to add this to your thinking. Um, that said, considering they've never had a marketing professional or a, a I call us business executives rather than the term non-attorneys because I like it. not fair. Um, I am a business executive. I've been around in the corporate world for a thousand years and I bring my expertise to the law firm setting just as you have done. That said, did they, did they seem more like a practice of law than a business of law? And are they starting to understand the need to transition if they were in fact a practice or are in fact a practice? It's such a great question. And I think, yes, what I love about this particular firm, um, and I, you know, I don't bury the lead. You, you know, I'm I'm making a transition to a new company, a new firm, in a few I weeks. I just we'll, learned we'll, that. We'll, I'm we, so excited. This I is know, we, we, we can talk about that in a, in a minute. But I'm always grateful to the experiences and the opportunities people have given me. So I want to, you know, praise these folks, um, and and they've been so gracious in this transition as well. I, I might add, but nice. yes, um, they nice. they. They know they need to think more like a business, but it is a struggle because they they love the practice. I think the difference is that it's not that they're afraid to function as a business; they love practicing law. Sure, and they've That's always the operated personality makeup of a lawyer. Yeah, yeah, and they've operated. They manage by committee, as a lot of firms have done. 
for years. Um, so, and there are a few administrative uh, folks around, but for the most part, it's managed attorney to attorney. And I think it's worked for them. So when something works for an organization for a long time, change is difficult. The one thing in the DNA of this firm that I find interesting that I think has made it an easier path for me is 20% of them also are CPAs by training. Wow. So, right. And, and, and it, it reminds me very much of my days at Deloitte that I'm working with this extremely intelligent problem solvers who love so, to get into an organization and figure out their needs. A little humor yeah. there. Um, in some of the training that I've done for, again, I use the phrase a thousand years a lot. I look great for a thousand years old, but um, I'll tell you this, that when I'm training, I talk about the communication skill levels. And one of the examples I give is, and, and not to slam lawyers, they understand this. This is, they, they're really great at that, you know, issue spotting, finding fault, thinking, um, focused on this laser, you know, laser-like focus on this one issue. But I tell them that, lawyers communication skills are one notch above CPAs <laughs> and so <laughs> it's funny that you've worked with both and you were able to successfully you know make some change because the knowing doing yes. gap there is so huge I mean it yeah. really is um they're not the only term but that's pretty pretty awesome that you're able to work with attorneys that are also CPAs kudos yeah. Roy Sexton. It, it's been interesting. And I think the emotional intelligent quotient in this firm is, I think they under undersell themselves. They're, they're an empathetic and kind group of people. And yes, I think, you know, as is, as is typical of, of folks who are, and I'm, I'm a little this way myself. I mean, I, you know, I gave a talk on introversion not that long ago. I'm in my head a lot and I've learned to be gregarious. I've learned to enjoy being around people and be energized by that, but it, it does drain me. So I, I can empathize that attorneys, their, their, their greatest tool is their mind and they're using it all the time and they're thinking about things. And, and just as you and I know, the great ideas don't always come when you want them to. Sometimes they come at two in the morning. Sometimes they come when you're trying to watch. A movie. Oh yes. Yeah. I've seen you. Uh, yeah, I've actually chatted with you online at two in the morning about. I have this idea. What do you think? Yeah. Um, so I know that I think attorneys get a bad rap sometimes. That people are like, well, they're not very friendly or they're you know they're kind of uh, not very sociable. And I'm like, well, because they're thinking. And I know that yeah. when I'm in the middle of thought and someone bursts into my office, often attorneys doing this to me, which is ironic. I, I, I have to adjust and I tense up and I feel aggravated because I'm like, it's not that I'm mad. I like that the person is there. I'm happy that someone wants to talk to me, but I, I, ha I was working on something in my brain and now it's gone. So, so would you call yourself an introvert? I do. Yeah. Because ah. I, well, I learned at some point that, because I, I wouldn't have, I, I'm not shy. I do theater. I mean, I, I like being in the midst of people, but this is probably 10 years ago I worked I like working with executive coaches I like learning about myself I like changing and I when I was at, at Oakwood the Mary Zatina the woman I mentioned earlier she had some of us work with an executive coach she had used for a long time um, Marianne Hastings wonderful woman and uh, she you know you take these little tests and you you're on you look like it looks like an eye chart or you know a, a colorblind chart and you're on different quadrants and you, like what does any of this mean but she interpreted it for me and she said, well, you're an introvert. I go, oh no, I, I couldn't be. She goes, well, it doesn't mean you're shy. It means you get energy from being alone and you lose energy being in large groups of people. I go, well, that's true. That's I, exactly so, right. Yeah. So once I realized that about myself, 
I knew how to take a little better care of myself. I need to take a lot better care of myself, but I learned to take a little better care of myself to go, all right, I'm shutting down because I'm hearing too much of somebody else talking, ironically, as I don't shut up during this podcast, but, and I need to just walk away for a little bit. It's not them. It truly is me. I'm going to get cranky. I'm going to get edgy. I need to go away. And so where I'm going with all this kind of this digression is it has helped me greatly work with attorneys, knowing that about myself and knowing that about them. And this group, because they're CPAs and attorneys, and yes, I think sometimes they, they have a thought and they think because they have the thought somehow by osmosis, it gets to everybody else. <laughs> and I, I have been there to go, hey, I know I, I do that myself. Can I communicate that? Can I help you communicate that? Can I put that out in the world? Yeah. So, yeah. so I, I do a lot of that training, the EQIQ and the Myers-Briggs and the how we can adjust our communication styles. And I will say there's a myth out there that you touched upon. You, you clearly know it's a myth. Um, people think introverts are shy. They are not. They are purely selective. They're not shy. Um, they want to make certain whatever they say is accurate and, and timely. They, they want to see face-to-face -face communication so they can read nonverbal cues as well as the words coming out of the uh, other person's mouth. They don't mm -hmm. like phone calls. Um, so you're right. They're not oh. necessarily shy. They're just... I hate, I, I hate phone calls. I, you know, I, people give millennials a bad rap. And I love the fact that millennials are saying all the things I thought 10 or 15 years ago, <laughs> but I was afraid to say, like, they don't like, I hear they don't like doorbells. And some, some woman was speaking to, we have a, a group here in Forum, which is the, the, the business women's group. And she was, she speaks about generational issues. And she was, she was quite peeved that these kids don't like doorbells. And I raised my hand. I said, I don't like doorbells because a doorbell or a phone, if you think about it, it is the, it's the other person deciding they want to talk to you now. It doesn't matter what you're doing in your house. You need to stop that and take the phone call or answer the door. Yeah, you know, I never thought about that. I can't stand a drop over. Like if, you mm -mm. Don't, if it's not prearranged. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. much an intrusion. Isn't that funny? So I, I love that millennials actually articulate things and they're not afraid to say it. Whereas our generation, I think we would suffer silently going, okay, yes, I'll work until eight o'clock tonight. I'll... I all, you know, yeah, all, they care yeah. a lot more about work family balance or, or personal life balance, I should call it, and not as much about the dollar, which is mm -hmm. interesting because in this industry in which we work, uh, the dollar rules. I mean, everybody, right. you know, especially billable hours and such. I mean, millennials yeah. are like, I I'm leaving. I mean, I'll finish this tomorrow. Right. I have a, a thing to attend. But and this, I think that's, that's why it's so hard to, to have the conversation about what our competitive threats are as an industry. We always still go back to who's going to eat our lunch, right? And yes. that's an important conversation to have, but we don't think about the silent competition from within for our talent and for reinventing and for using that to, to craft, to your point, I mean, you, you're such an advocate for this, for being a client-centric organization. So if we're seeing folks who move increasingly into decision-making roles, who have a different set of values, for whom money while important is not the only thing for whom balance is important for whom efficient conversation that gets them an answer quickly um those are the values they they as i i believe you know and that the the fa the fallacy in what i'm doing is here i'm assuming what their values are we need to always research and measure and make sure we know what those are but we need to design the firm and the delivery mechanism 
for that because they're going to create a just this generation will create the disruptive technology that will put us out of business whether it's you know we look at the music industry everyone said oh no everyone will want to buy cds they'll want to buy physical product and then other people said no I'd rather yeah. not. I'd rather there, have it easily accessible. I have tears you know? in my eyes because you're speaking my language. I mean, this is so beautiful, wonderful. One thing that um, I will say is you, you, you talk about CDs. My first car was the very last car that had an A-track stereo. Ah. In it. So I'm dating myself. But yeah, you're right. You can't hang on to technology just like you shouldn't hang on to the old lawyer-centric behaviors, thoughts, attitudes. And I think people like you are helping firms make those transitions, yeah. um, which I think is a good segue to talk about a, a personal transition you're making. Sure. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I am uh, going to join Clark Hill in a few weeks. Uh, Great firm. We have, uh, I will be working uh, with Megan McKeon and um, uh, Susan ding, 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 ding. Uh, Yeah. She's great. And, uh, and, uh, and Jim Durham and, uh, Wow. Uh, John, John Hearn is the managing partner. He's just a, just a lovely, I'm not just saying, I mean, you know me, I don't say things to Sam. This, folks, this John Hearn, folks, let he, me just say about Roy Sexton. He doesn't say anything just to say, he is open, honest, and direct, and he will tell it like it is, whether you like it or not. So I know he's not just oh, saying this to No, <laughs> I, this managing partner, he is, Again, I love my current lawyer. I mean, I, and I still love my trot lawyers. They called me for a year, I appreciate say, they called me for a year after I left there going, how do we do this again? <laughs> you know, I mean, and yeah, we st I that's great. Stay connected with the people because it's important to me. But John Hearn, he's the managing partner. I got to say, he, he believes in servant leadership. It was like the second sentence out of his mouth when we awesome. first added it. He, he really, really wants to think creatively and differently about the practice of law and he also approaches law as a business and i will say that that's the thing that's the only reason i'm i, I moved um because it's it, i just i don't want to stay someplace only a year i want to i want to linger and and you know i was at oakwood 11 years i was at trot six years i wanted to stay here and kind of see what we were doing through to fruition but when you're doing good work and people noticed it and then they say hey we want you to come over here and you can work with this team and you have more sure. resources. And, and I, I feel the clock's ticking. I'm 45. No, I, I get I, that. I have you know, to give so. kudos, kudos to that because it's not a statement on your current firm at all. It's not at all. No. It's a positive statement regarding you and your initiative that you take and the courage that you have to put yourself out there on behalf of your firm. And I think another firm, Clark Hill, recognized that in you. Um, yeah. That is a great team of people you just mentioned. I know a few people who work there. Yeah. Uh, they definitely, in my view, from an outsider's perspective, they get the business of law, which will make mm -hmm. um, a safe, comfortable place for you. That said, you are going to be focused on marketing versus business development. And so yeah. many lawyers don't even know the difference yet between nope. the two. How will that play out with you and Megan? Because I know she is a business development phenom. Yeah. Oh, she's, oh, I, so I, you know, one, one thing as an aside, I used to say, I think I started saying this at Trot and I use it regularly. I, when I'm, when an attorney doesn't understand the distinction, I always say, please keep in mind, I'm not the vending machine at the end of the hall that you just come down to when you want a candy bar. You need to think about what are you putting into this? And that's kind of the marketing side of it. What are you developing? What, what, what tools can I provide? 
that will get the word out about you and your great work and tell your story. Again, if you go back to that notion of introversion, attorneys by nature don't like to go to cocktail parties. They don't want it. They want to go home or they want to, they want to practice law or they want to read a book. And I don't mean to cast people with a broad brush. That's not fair, but I, I, that, those are the attorneys I've known. They don't really want to go out. And when they do, when you do get them to go to an event, they clump, right? They stick together. And so if that's their No clustering, folks. No right. clustering. So if that's their nature, we now know we have technology and tools that can help tell their story in a way that minimizes their time away from their families, that maximizes what's in their brains and gets that information into people's hands through Q&As, through content marketing, through, through uh, direct digital uh, marketing where we can reach the very person who needs the answer to the question that your attorney just wrote something about or concerning, which then makes the work of the business development person that much easier because you've you've opened the door for them to walk through and vice versa the business development people those are the boots on the street they they give valuable information back to marketing to say hey here's what's going on in this geography or this industry sector let me These ask you a question about that, that. Um, and so i think you have to have that that reciprocation and so to your question about me and megan and then i'll shut up that's what i'm looking forward to because i've known megan now she was one of my first friends at LMA. We presented at San Diego together because I get, I get these wild hairs and I'm like, I want to present at international conference. And I didn't know how difficult that was. And I just put in a panel and they picked us for quick start. It was Gina, Heather, Megan, me. And I didn't even know them. I just said, you all seem fun. Let's do a panel. I'm, I'm weird. And I, we bonded over it. And we, she has always been someone I rely on and talk to about legal stuff, legal marketing stuff because she's an attorney, because she knows her stuff. She's kind, you know, so I am so he excited. Yes. Yeah. So, sorry, you had a question. No, I, I kind of, it went whoosh right out of my head, but it was along the lines of um, the relationship part of, so, so for example, for me, an easy way to understand what you just described is marketing is reputation building. Business mm -hmm. development is relationship building. Mm-hmm. And then yep. I look at things like client service, such as responsiveness, as the third leg of the stool, of yeah. the legged stool. So client service is, is in my opinion, and, and there's a lot of data to back this up, the number one business development strategy in professional services. I so think if we provide great work. client service, we'll ensure more work from existing clients. So I know Clark Hill has the resources to cover all three of those bases. Um, what would be your specific role in your new position? Like, how does that play out? Um, um, are you partnering with Megan as a, you know, tell me more. Yeah, and, and some of this is still obviously to be defined and determined. You know, I, I know what I know from the interview process and some conversation, but I, they, they have a really strong history and commitment to marketing and business development. And now that they've grown as they have, there's a clear opportunity to, help build that infrastructure and provide that toolkit for the attorneys. Um, uh -huh. Has been in her role for a year. Uh, you know, uh, I was talking to John Byrne the other day and he goes, what, do you have a plan going in? I go, eh, I'm just going to ask Megan what her to-do list is. <laughs> and I'm going <laughs> to let that be my plan. Um, because she, she and Susan and, and the business development side, uh, Susan is the, the, um, 
uh, senior lead, uh, the, uh, um, and I forgive me for titles. I'm still trying to figure everything out. But That's okay. I know who you're talking about. Is she yeah, like she's the demo role, or is she? Uh, oh well, she's a biz dev uh, senior director over business development, and then and then uh, Megan is the senior manager over business development. And there are another other a number of other business development people scattered uh, throughout the. the I love country. hearing that they get the difference and that they are yeah. walking yeah. that walking it. You know, walking. I'm the excited about that too, and you know, I I know Megan is and and has told me that they've kind of clearly defined the tasks but there's overlap there and and, and again i feel sure. like it reminds me of um you know I, as i was describing my healthcare life i was in strategic planning and then i went into marketing and i'm not saying strategic planning in healthcare is like business development in legal but strategic planning in marketing or in, in healthcare is very much what's happening in our geography what's happening with our competition what service lines should we be in what should our our, our physician complement look like, you know, and we would be working on those issues that then could inform the marketing side around, okay, we need to roll out some new services. We need to communicate those to the community. Oh, who, who are the audiences for that? What is the demographic for who they, what, who and what would, would need those services? And then marketing would come back to strategic planning and say, we have an idea, but we need data around it. Do you right. have this? Do you have that? And that's the kind of dynamic I'm hopeful we can replicate at Clark Hill, where we say, all right, I'm, I'm the marketing, so I'm over there creating tools and, and, and things and opportunities and, and the megaphone. You're paving the way. Do. Yeah, and that they are, on, on, the, on the business development side, they know they're working with the attorneys. They know the pain points. They know their frustrations. They know Let me ask you this. That's an amazing way to put it. So you're, you know, you're paving the way for them to walk on that path. But do any of you, this is, I'm just curious, do any of you touch clients directly? I don't know. I mean, again, I am sort of, I'm now so far beyond what I actually know just because I haven't started. It won't be until gotcha. <laughs> a couple gotcha. of well, I am so happy for you. You deserve all the happiness in the world. And I will say as much as, um, you deserve the happiness. They are lucky to have you. You oh. are an idea guy who can also implement and get it done. You're a delight to be around. You're fun to listen to, and you are damn funny. I, I oh. really enjoy knowing you, and um, I, I've learned a lot on the marketing side from you. That's not my passion. I have done it before, but my passion is business development, as you well know. And yeah, you're so uh, good. Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. I enjoy client service and training others. And I like to see people succeed. So yeah. lifting others up, that's what this podcast is all about. We're going to go ahead and say our goodbyes. And thank Thanks. you, Roy, for being with us today. And oh, if anyone pleasure. has any questions, Roy, how would they um, reach you? How would they reach out to you? Well, you know, I'm a big fan of social media. And I would say anymore, I, you know, I try to keep all my Outlook contacts up to date, but I've even given up on that. Find me on LinkedIn, send me an nice. invite on LinkedIn. It's so easy just to stay with the messenger tool there. And, and, you know, I post shamelessly and way too much, but I, you'll, <laughs> you'll, yeah. you'll, you'll know it. You'll get a sense of me. And I'm, you know, I'm open to Facebook invites. I don't really, I'm one of the few people I don't necessarily keep bright lines between the two. I'm like, well, I'm Thank here. I, I sort of, they're all kind of shopping malls to me and you, you need a storefront in each and Twitter. So whatever you're, if you have a social media of, of preference, find me there. Um, nice. I will tell you my Facebook, I don't know why they, they have a limit on how many friends you have. And I'm at 5,000 and you can't add more. 
And so every once in a while I post something that's a little edgy and I lose a couple people, which is sort of a good thing. So I'm like, okay, now I can, I, I can bring a couple more in, but you can follow me <laughs> on Facebook. Um, but if you try to, if you try to friend me, um, Zuckerberg well, won't let me have any more friends. And next time you anger someone out there, why don't you go post something political right now? And then I'll <laughs> for me. So okay. one last thing really quickly about Roy Sexton folks is, when he believes in an idea and he wants to see it uh, gain traction or get feet, if you will, um, he will reshare, he will um, invite his own, you know, audience, huge audience, as you just heard, in to, to partake in your ideas or your thought leadership piece or what have you. So if you go out there and you search for hashtag be a Roy Sexton, <laughs> you will see what I'm talking about. It's great. He has his own hashtag <laughs> oh, Heather did that to me. That was very kind of her. Can I say one more thing? Are we out of time? Sure. Okay. Yeah, Heather, I've said this to Heather a couple of times. Heather Morse, I love her. We, we all do. Yes. She's my big sister, uh, but she doesn't want, you know, not, not older, just, just a little bit. Um, she usually, when I hear from Heather, it's when I'm about to step off a cliff um, and, or she'll tag me and I'll go look at the, the comment will be, Roy, it's not the day you're allowed to post this here. And I'm like, oh, okay. So, <laughs> she is so good about keeping you within the bounds. Help me. I, I need that. I need a handler. So so one day <laughs> I I seen these notifications starting to blow up on my phone. Heather has tagged you here, there, and everywhere. And I go to read this thing. And it was this lovely, you know, when when you don't know that somebody you care about really gets you. The, the feeling it gives you that somebody oh. something about you and what she wrote was very, very nice and said that, that Roy, you said it. He, and I mean it, if I like something, I share it. And I don't, I don't, I don't ever have a, I don't, I'm not having any guile about me. I don't have a design. I'm not trying to curry favor. I just, I'm like, Oh, I like you. And I like what you wrote and I share it. So well, she, don't she give, commented on that. And, here's what I like about you, Roy. You don't give lip service. You know, if you say or do it, that it's sincere. It's yeah. just, I frankly have suffered um, from not being as I and you know I need to use a little more discretion and and understand the the motivators behind folks. So for me, um, I've grown to to read people better to to understand yeah. the intention. Where look, you are very genuine. You are very sincere, and I believe you care about people, even if you're not agreeing with them. You're not you're not just you know. Uh, right, man, you're definitely out there with your opinions and whether you agree, or disagree, but you're always so she, polite about it. So she, so she posts this article and it's very nice. And thank, thank you, thank you for that. And I feel that about you as well. And she posts this thing, and so I'm reading through it, and it's so nice, and I'm getting tearied up, tear, teared up. But then I'm like, okay, there's got to be a punchline to this. Where, where, <laughs> where at the end of this article does she smack me upside the head? And it never. It just was pure appreciation for my unusual personality and that really you know I get I get that from my parents I always have I get that from my husband you know those are the people in our lives that appreciate us warts and all right and right. we love them for that but to have somebody that is in a professional circle and I, I get that from you I get that from Nancy Merlin I get that from a lot of people don't get me wrong I'm grateful for that but to have it written in such a way and codified and to give me a hashtag, I will always be very grateful for that moment. And, and I, I, I joke that, you know, I was waiting for her to, 
tell me I was my socks didn't match that day. But that's what Heather Heather is a very honest and direct person, and she I gives, love that she cares about you. What she you gives see you that is feedback. So so Via yeah. Roy Sexton was a very nice. If if that's the legacy I, I have in this world, I will take that every, all day long. It's very nice. I'm well, sure. I'll tell you, everyone who works at Clark Hill should be checking out hashtag Via Roy Sexton to get to know you better. That way, when you do land there, uh, whenever your start date is, they'll know you well because you are a WYSIWYG. What you see is oh, like. And I thanks. loved interviewing you today. You're so passionate. You have a lot to say, just like I do. We're probably overlapping a lot throughout this podcast. But I think that you have a lot to share and that people will benefit from what you've shared today. So thanks thank for having me. It was, it was a pleasure. I, I appreciate it very much. Thank you. Absolutely. Have a good day, everybody. Bye-bye. Bye.